Now, my first guest today is a cognitive scientist. Uh, she did her master's and PhD at UCD, a senior fellow in trustworthy AI at the Mozilla Foundation and is a lecturer at Trinity College. She's been named as one of the 100 most influential persons by the Times in AI 2023 and has been appointed to the UN's new AI advisory board. Good morning, Dr. Abeba Birhani. Good morning, Brendan. Thank you so much. That's quite a list and quite an achievement. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thank um, you. So AI, let's just start at the, I was actually thinking a lot about this and I think we're all thinking about, we're understanding that there's this, there's this cloud of an, a, a, of an unknown force that we're all deeply embedded in and we don't really understand. So let's go right back and just do AI, artificial intelligence for dummies. Just explain it. Yeah, I mean, AI is everywhere. It's it's ubiquitous, you know, all over the news, all over the media, even within within the research space. Uh, so the basic idea of artificial intelligence, at least in its conception back in the 1950s, in the 1960s. We're going, was, are we going as far back as then? Yeah, yeah because there was a, a very precise understanding of what AI was back then. So the idea was to recreate, you know, intelligence, it could be problem solving, it could be develop, you know, development, it could be various cognitive faculties. The idea was to recreate those faculties uh, in machines. But, you know, over the decades, that really goal has moved. Uh, these days, we call, you know, a, a, almost any automation, we call it AI. Uh, but the way, uh, you know, those kind of intelligence can be recreated in machines, uh, you can think of it in subcategories like in computer vision, in natural language processing, in robotics, for example. So in computer vision, for example, the idea is to gather, to map, and to kind of understand the visual world. Okay. And the way you do that, you know, with machines is you collect, you know, thousands and millions and billions of image data, sometimes video data, and you, 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 you kind of, you develop a, a, a formula, an equation, and you feed all that data into the machine and then it will be able to kind of learn what the visual world look like. Okay. And a classic example would be, for example, you know, a face recognition system, for example. Okay. So you will have your formula, you will get thousands and maybe millions and billions of images of faces. You show it, you know, this is a face, this is a face. And by, by the end of the training, when you show the machine an image that it hasn't seen before, then it should be able to tell you, you know, face or not a face. Okay. So that is a classic example of, you know, how the visual world is understood in machines or surrendered, rendered in machines. So, and that's not without its issues. And we'll go, we'll get into that a little later because it's kind of fascinating and, and a bit scary. But in our own lives, in, in domestic lives, one thing that really jumped out for me is the va you know those automatic vacuum cleaners. Yes, they map your house. They do. They do. <laughs> Even your smart fridge has AI, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, as I said, you know, it's a slippery slope. What we call AI these days. But okay. They, yeah. Yeah. They do have you know some kind of uh, you know data collecting system, tracking system. So. AI is also very tangled with surveillance. Okay. So AI has become to, to, to denote uh, surveillance. You know, we are constantly, it, you know, all those gadgets, you know, the, the smart fridges, the nice, uh, convenient uh, vacuum cleaner, uh, even, you know, the smart, uh, the, the smartwatch on our wrist, it all comes as convenient. Yeah. Uh, and it does make life easier. 
But the downside of it is also we are constantly being tracked and monitored and surveilled as well. So I, I actually heard of uh, a report on a crime and somebody had their smartwatch and they could actually tell when the crime happened. And, and so, the, the, so there's, there's plus sides to the evidence that it can provide. But if being tracked all the time, does that concern you? It does. I think it should concern everybody. Really? I mean, yeah, at the very basic level, we are creating a a society where there is no escape, where there is no space just to be, because you are constantly watched and monitored. Even, you know, the, the, the vacuum cleaner itself, even the sanctuary of the home is, you know, is no longer just for your own you know, for your own safety, for you t- to just be. It it has become, you know, these machines have in- infiltrated into our daily lives so much that even our home is, you know, constantly uh, watched and monitored. So that that should be that should be a problem. Um, and we'll go into the wider problems and the understanding because it's been legal cases and everything about the problems that AI presents. But um, I'm dying to ask you, and I just thought about this, are our phones listening to us? You know the way I, I'll say, I'll say, oh, I was looking up runners the other day for a big brand and next one, an ad appears in my site. Is it true that audio tags exist? It, wet phone. It, it depends on your phone, <laughs> okay. I guess. It depends but, on they, the but audio tags yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's been numerous research that that highlight or that have shown that, uh, you know, the, the various, uh, yes, <laughs> the various systems, even, you know, the the home assistants, the Alexas, the series, uh, they do uh, uh, they do record and, and listen even even when they're So you to. work uh, on centres that are attempting to ensure safety in a uh, for the future. And we'll come to that. Again. But what should we be alarmed about, do you think, now in the society we're living in right now with AI tracking? So, yeah, it's important to be alarmed about the writing because at the moment when uh, we hear a lot of, we know, a lot of the AI narrative is, uh, you know, uh, is filled with uh, unrealistically overhyped understanding and uh, kind of sci-fi like abstract things that we should worry about. So you hear for it. So there is this understanding that AI is this, you know, uh, sci-fi kind of Terminator type of stuff that is going to, you know, kill all humans or uh, you have this narrative of, you know, long-term impacts of AI where people think that, you know, eventually we won't be able to control AI and that should be a worry. But all that is really unwarranted. All that is more of a theory, more of, you know, a sci-fi rather than the, rather than uh, the reality. I actually heard, and it was a, on, a, on a daytime uh, BBC show, and it was a, a, somebody interviewing an AI specialist who was being quite sensational, but saying, you know, if you had an AI booking app, and it was trying to figure out to get you a table in a restaurant. In the future, it could just go in and remove, physically remove people with drones to clear you a table. That's that's the sci-fi yeah, ridiculousness. That is, yeah, that yeah. is that's outrageous, very unrealistic. Okay. Yeah, but what should be what we should actually be worried about is, as I said, you know, the surveillance state. You know, the society the society we live in, like the apartment complexes we are in. You know, con- more and more cameras being installed. You know, for for the community to, to be watched. Uh, so the 
the surveillance that comes with AI is what should worry us and what uh, and other things such as, you know, even though AI is portrayed as this magic bullet, as this perfect thing that understands the world, that can figure everything out, that can solve any problems. In reality, most of AI is full of failure. It's full of problems. And really? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and explain that to me a bit more. How, how is that the case? Yeah. So, for example, you know, it, there is a whole fa- field uh, area uh, called, you know, uh, adversarial preservation, adversarial attacks, where, uh, for example, for a computer vision system, you can train a system to recognize, for a, for example, a face. And you can tweak, you can change a tiny pixel of an image and that vision system could be completely thrown off. So instead of li- telling you a face is a face, it could tell you like it's a giraffe or it's a bus or something like that. So even tiny changes that is not visible to the human eye can so this is one example of how these systems are very prone to failure and how they are very brittle and so you are behind the MIT we know the Massachusetts Institute of Technology MIT everybody knows that MIT as most people do anyway it's it's kind of world leading thought leading uh, education in, in America uh, you were part to remove the 80 million tiny images uh, back yeah. in, what happened? So in 2020, yeah. what happened? Yeah, so uh, myself and my colleague were working. Uh, so one of the things I do is, you know, audit or kind of investigate and look after the, the data set that is used to train AI systems. So back in 2020, my colleague uh, and myself were auditing uh, a, a data set called uh, uh, it's one of the biggest data sets called ImageNet. I mean, one of the best standard, I think gold standard data sets for vision, at least at the moment. Uh, and then we uh, uh, we landed on this uh, 80 million uh, tiny images data set and it was never audited before and the data set had, has existed for Can over I ask 10 that, so years. Just, just in terms of uh, understanding. So that data set, it was used as an image recognition Data, database. It was used as a training material for computer vision systems and hundreds of academic publications were published based on it. And MIT had assembled, you know, and curated that data set for over 10, 15 years, I think. So it was it was being used until we went in and investigated it. And what we found was really horrible. We found thousands and thousands and thousands of images labeled with, you know, the N word, the C word, the W word, words I can't say here. Uh, So the next day after our research came out, yeah, uh, the MIT apologized and and withdrew it. This is the thing, you know. So how did that happen? Because it's unaudited, it's unregulated. I mean, most data sets are, so auditing data sets is not a thing. It is becoming a thing now because we really are pushing for it. Uh, but yeah, we don't pay as much attention to the data set that we are training our AIs with wow. just as much as we pay attention to the, the AI itself. And uh, intrinsically, this leads us, and I'm aware of this for some other work that I've done, um, there's examples of racism through facial recognition. And is it as simple as the data is stored and uh, compiled by mostly white men in technology? Is it that simple? Uh, that too simplistic? I wish it was that simple. Unfortunately, okay. it's it's not that simple. <laughs> okay. no. But the quality of the data set does definitely contribute in the performance of the AI model. So again, as I said, uh, you know, AI is not, uh, it's, it's not a new revelation. We've had a lot of the, you know, the important 
you know, theories and formulations since the 50s, 60s, 70s. But what really pushed the AI revolution, what really made AI, you know, an everyday item is the availability of large scale data sets thanks to the Internet. Okay. So it's only over the past 15, 20 years that AI has become a thing. And that's thanks to the Internet that allows you know, for for the sourcing, for the harvesting of huge billions, sometimes even trillions tokens of data sets to train AI systems. So, so let's bring it down to that case in America, Robert Williams in America, who uh, there's been six arrests so far in America, all due to errors in facial recognition. Can you, So that's very alarming, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm an academic. I look at the data sets. I examine the models uh, and, you know, my findings often show that Facial recognition systems, in general, they don't perform as well on darker skin toned, you know, images as to lighter skin toned images. This has been this has been known for years now. In 2015, uh, Google's photo app labeled, you know, uh, black people as gorilla. That was a big outrage. In 2018, we have a canonical research by Timnit Gebru and Joy Bolamuni coming out and showing that. Uh, they audited three face recognition algorithms from Amazon, Face++, uh, and IBM, and they found that the performance rate was huge. There is a huge difference. So there was up to 35% error rate for darker-skinned women, whereas for lighter-skinned men, the error rate was 08 it was uh, 0.08. It was under 1%. So I have to ask, Why? Why is so that? partly due to, to due to the dra- training, not everything can boil down to the data set, but partly due to the, the training data set. Uh, again, you know, the training data set, because it comes from the Internet and because the Internet is a really ugly, nasty place that really kind of encodes historical and societal biases. Uh, so when we scoop that data set from the, the web and use it as a training material, we also take you know, the, the, the problematic historical biases and racism That's fascinating. along with it. Now, um, then there's been uh, issues in relation to welfare assistance. In, in, a Dutch scandal broke as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when we apply these, these uh, AI systems, for example, in law enforcement, going back to Robert Williams, you know, these error uh, error margins or these error rates are not just theoretical. They have a downstream actual impact on real people. So people due to errors are being arrested. Uh, also for the same for the Dutch welfare system, they uh, used a, a, an algorithm to help them assist in identifying uh, fraudulent claims from, from welfare claimants. And what they found was uh, it was disproportionately punishing people that are at the very margins of society. You know, thousands of people were dying and people were, uh, uh, you know, their, their welfare benefits were was taken off them. And again, they found out uh, the algorithm was uh, uh, grossly uh, incorrect and they discontinued that. Uh, you have the same case in 2020 uh, with in the UK uh, with COVID. The UK government decided to use an algorithm to allocate grades for A-levels. And they found that, you know, grades were not allocated based on the merit of the student, but rather the air code, per the location of the students. So students from the Walesy uh, uh, air codes were receiving much higher grades. Wow. For, and 
students from the uh, poorer areas were received, were pu- punished for it. Now, Again, this was discontinued. Okay, so this is terrifying, let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. So we can face recognition, get you arrested, uh, using algorithms to determine whether or not you're entitled to welfare. It could have, the, the, there was fa- people were sent bills of over 100,000 euro. So it can get things wrong. But luckily, you It often gets things often, wrong. <laughs> often, okay. Yes. But you've been named as one of uh, the 100 most influential persons in AI in 2023 by Time Magazine. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you and so that's much. that's obviously with the view to trying to fix some of these issues that might be presenting themselves. Is that true? Yeah, my contribution, I don't build AI. My contribution really is critical. Uh, I point out, you know, the, these error rates. I point out the, the, you know, the failures in functioning. I point out the bias in, in the data set. I, I point out how, you know, all these really stagnant, uh, negative stereotypes get encoded and exacerbate, get exacerbated in data sets. That's my contribution. And I guess, you know, uh, time uh, naming me as uh, one of the persons there uh, shows that this kind of critical work is also valued as well as, uh, you know, building models. So there are, and there are other po- positives associated with AI, healthcare, climate. There are other areas that it is working in, would you say, is that fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I will take any, you know, AI is working with uh, in, in any domain with a big bucket of salt. OK, so you're you're uh, on the United Nations as an advisory board on this. I have to, should we be very afraid? No, no, no. no we okay. should be glad. Okay, good, <laughs> we should good, be glad. Good. Yeah, the UN assembled this body uh, to kind of help draft regulatory directions. So we are working on, you know, outlining the the harms, the risks, and the kind of regulatory uh, uh, development that needs to be uh, that needs to be looked after. That needs to be. Taken. And how did you get interested in it? Now you're you're an adjunct lecturer in Trinity, and uh, how did you get involved in, yeah. in, in this area? Uh, so I. I'm a, I'm a cognitive scientist by training. Love that. Uh, so <laughs> Fascinated by that world. I love it. Yeah. So I'm not really, I'm not a computer scientist. So oh. yeah, and usually it's computer scientists that do this kind of work. Uh, uh, but I was, uh, as I was doing my PhD at UCD, uh, the cognitive science program is run by the School of Computer Science. So I was in a lab full of, you know, software developers, machine learners. And I'm always curious, you know, uh, nosy uh, around, you know, w- what data are you using? Where, where does it come from? You know, how did you taxonomize it and so on? So that curiosity led me to look at more and more into data sets and to critically examine, you know, this kind of AI models that we are building that are supposed to capture, you know, human behavior and mm-hmm. human action. Uh, so, so, yeah, my curiosity arose. And yet you have a, a, a brilliant uh, knowledge of clearly of it. But as a as a human on the earth, is there any one tip you'd give to me to say how to sort of be conscious of AI and how to use it in your life in a positive way? Is there any one thing you could say I can do? Yeah, so there is a lot of, you know, inflated claims about AI. There is so much overhype. So question everything, anything you are hearing. If it sounds too good to to be true, it probably is true. Uh, And yeah, in terms of surveillance, it doesn't, it's not inevitable. We don't have to be, we don't have to subject ourselves to it. We can resist it. So we can avoid, uh, we can use various techniques to, to avoid surveillance and we can also actively resist it. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Abeba Barhani. I've really loved it and we'll chat again, I'm sure. Thank you Such so much. Such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank you. Let's take a break.